0: Welcome to Inspiration to Publication with your host and award-winning editor, Caroline Smith. Now, here's Caroline. Hello and welcome to Inspiration to Publication, Episode 3. I'm Caroline Smith and today we are going to be talking about copyright. Why is this important for you to know and understand as a writer or author lots of different reasons and we're going to get into that today okay so copyright and trademarking are things that can be a little bit misconstrued in the publishing industry they're not the same thing and we're going to get into reasons for that in a few minutes but really i think a lot of my authors have questions about copyright when is it copywritten? what is copyright what can be copywritten? who owns the copyright All of these different questions are are things that I get on a pretty regular basis. I have a lot of authors come to me with concerns that someone is going to take their work, especially if they submit it to a publishing company. They're concerned um, that that company might try to publish the work without their permission. And really, it would be a bad idea for any publishing company to do that at all because these days with digital technology, we really have a great paper trail, if you will, for proving who owns a work and where it was originally created. And that's the intention of copyright is protecting the person who originally created the work. And we're going to talk about a little, a few nuances about this today, but let's talk really quickly about what is protected under copyright and and what that means. So copyright is when the work, whatever that is, we're going to talk about that in a second, when the work is In a fixed and tangible form, is what the Copyright Office says, then it's automatically protected by copyright. So if you have an idea and you don't write it down, it's not protected. So you can't say, you know, oh, I had that idea first and then try to sue somebody who also had that idea and wrote the book. Because unless it's in a written down form and you can prove when it was done then there's no way to say who came up with that idea first. And there's been a lot of buzz about this in the publishing industry this year. And and we're going to talk about this too. But there's been some um, confusion, I think, among authors as far as what can be copyrighted and what can't be. Who had the idea first, things like that. So the, the idea that it's in a fixed and tangible form. So this could be a literary work. It could be a musical work. Uh, dramatic work like a play and any accompanying music that goes with that, um, a pantomime or choreographic work so long as it's been recorded or noted in some way, um, uh, sculptures can be copyrighted, um, movies, any kind of audiovisual, anything can be copyrighted, sound recordings um, including music, uh, spoken word, things like that can be copyrighted, and even architectural works can be copyrighted. So if it's in a fixed and tangible form, then it can be copywritten. Um, and so those are pretty broad definitions, and there's some more specifics in, that kind of go into to each one of those categories. But in the, in the big picture things, at least as far as authors are concerned, once you have taken your ideas for your book and put it either in your computer or in your writing journal then that is technically a fixed intangible form. So I always suggest to my authors that you uh, date things and even, you know, take a picture of it now with social media. It's so easy to take a picture of something that you're working on and that just gives it another level of protection as far as copyright. Because if you do have someone um, who takes your ideas, then being able to have it dated is a great thing. And, and again, with digital technology, we have the ability, even within Microsoft Word, it timestamps everything. And if you look at the settings in Microsoft Word, it will even tell you the day and exact time that a document was created. So make sure when you're saving your documents that you don't necessarily save on top of things. You can do different versions, you know, draft one, draft two, or save it with the date on there. And that will also be an added layer of protection. I used to have authors that would ask me if they needed to mail their book to themselves so that there was a stamp on it. And honestly, before computers in the age of digital technology, that was an added layer of protection. But nowadays, we really don't have to do things like that. Um, even if you have you know, your ideas that you're keeping in your notes on your phone, um, if you've listened to my first podcast, you know that I talk about that or done my online course I'm a big advocate for keeping notes in your phone or even emailing yourself things. And then you have, again, that added layer of protection with just having the day and time of that idea or that creation on there. So you don't have to necessarily do that. But if you're really worried for some reason about your idea being taken, then this day and age, it's much easier to prove the original piece of that than it used to be. Um, so with copyright ownership, what does that really mean when you own the copyright? If you look at any copyright page of the book of any book, it doesn't matter what book you'll see the little copyright symbol, which is the C with a circle around it. And it basically means that you have the ability to reproduce the work and that you own the work. And, and the, the law basically says, as far as ownership is concerned, you own the work for the lifetime of the author plus 70 years. Um, And if you have a co-authorship for some reason, then it's the life of whoever lives the longest out of the co-authors, plus 70 years. So uh, you do have the ability to um, pass your copyright on to someone. You can um, will it to someone, transfer of copyright. That is a thing um, that a lot of people do in their wills. You see sometimes um, with these authors that are well-known, like William Faulkner, he left his... um, works to his estate, and then they kind of decide how to handle them. And that also happens with music. Um, You'll see that, you know, a child or someone in the family is the owner of the uh, copyright or works that they've created, and they get to decide what's done with it at that point. So it really is just a display of ownership. Now, the publishing company often owns the rights to a book. And they can also be the ones to make decisions. This is going to be an area where you would have to look at your specific uh, publishing agreement to determine what rights you have as an author and what rights the publishing company has. Sometimes the author has the ability to make decisions about derivative works or translations. Um, They have the ability to decide if, the work goes into some type of public display. That's usually more for things like art. But uh, sometimes within your publishing agreement, you may not have that ability. So while you may still own the copyright and the copyright is filed in your name with a copyright office, that doesn't necessarily mean that you still own the rights to the book and can make decisions about what to do with the book. So those of you that are in self-publishing, you really just need to know that you own the rights to the copyright for your lifetime plus seventy years, and and read the fine print on wherever you decide to publish. So that could be something like Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Wattpad. We're going to talk about that in a later podcast. Even eBooks, things like that. Really be mindful of the rights and permissions section. And we're going to talk more in a later podcast specifically about rights and permissions and how to handle things like that, or ask um, for permission from someone to use a work. In your their work in your uh, book, but today we really want to stick with with copyright. And so basically that means that you own the work, and you will own the work until you don't own the work anymore. And then it usually just goes out of print. And even if something is out of print, then it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily own the copyright anymore. It just really depends on again the um, permissions that you have in your. Uh, publishing agreement. So be mindful of that. It's really easy to file with the copyright office. And I do have people ask me a lot when they should file. And my recommendation for that is don't file until your book is finished, as finished as possible. And if you do um, go to a publisher, you really don't need to file with a copyright office beforehand. Again, your work is already protected. You don't have to worry about that. You really don't need to take that extra step to file with a copyright office until you have a publisher, or even if you're self-publishing, you can go ahead and do that um, early on in the process or you know, as soon as you put it up on Amazon or CreateSpace or what have you. But uh, it really isn't necessary to file with the copyright office until it's actually being published. Now, the reason that I say that is When you make big sweeping changes to the book, then that also has to be filed with a copyright office. And it's not very expensive to file with a copyright office, but there's just, it's kind of a waste of money. If you finish your first draft and decide you want to file it with a copyright office, and then you do that for each subsequent draft, you're going to be spending a lot of money with a copyright office and that you just don't need to. So wait until the book is finished. And if you change the title, if you change the cover, if you change at add or subtract a chapter, all of that has to be filed with a copyright office because they want your most recent work to be the one that's on file so that if there's ever a disagreement about copyright, they can pull it and they'll see what the original um, document is. And then that's where, you know, if you get into a situation where there's an issue with a judge or a court or a lawsuit. They can pull what's on file, and if they don't have the most recent version on file, then that's going to be a problem, potentially. So just wait until everything is done, and it makes it a lot easier. And often, your publisher will file copyright for you. And copyright is an area that most editors, at least those who are proficient in Chicago Manual of Style, should be well-versed in copyright law. There is a whole chapter on copyright in the Chicago Manual of Style, um, so there's really no reason for them to not be familiar with at least the basics of copyright, even if they're not attorneys. A good editor who's well-versed in Chicago would be able to give you at least a little bit of information on copyright and the rights and permissions therein. If you have specific questions about copyright or you're worried that someone is infringing on your work. Then or plagiarizing, then you can seek an attorney and there are plenty of copyright attorneys that would help you with that. I had a situation a few years ago where we always ask our authors that come to us if they're the original and sole authors of the work because we want to make sure that we're filing copyright in both names if it's a joint venture um, or however many names if it's a if it's a group collaboration or what have you and Um, The author that came to us told us, yes, it was her sole work. She was the sole author of the work. And we went through the entire publishing process, editing, design, interior layout. And we got to the proofing stage. And somehow it came out that uh, she was not the original author. And so I had a cease and desist letter on my desk um, to me. Um, as her editor at this publishing company, and uh, that was kind of a scary moment because I'm going, Oh my goodness, this is from an attorney, you know, what's going on? And um, it was from the co author saying that she was not the original author of all of the work. So when you have a co author situation, you absolutely want to make sure that you are giving uh availability and saying yes I did this with someone else because then both people are going to be the owners of the copyright when it's filed. Now, if you do something that's called a work for hire, meaning if you hire a ghostwriter or you hire an illustrator or you hire someone else that's doing something for you for the book and you pay them, you want to make sure you have an agreement in writing that stipulates whether or not they're going to be getting royalties and whether or not they're going to be mentioned on the copyright page. So, if you do hire a ghostwriter, then you would say in your work for hire document that you are the employer of the work and therefore your name is going to be the one on the copyright, not the ghostwriter's name. Usually ghostwriters understand, you know, that you are the owner of the work and that you're hiring them to do this. And and most work-for-hire documents say you're paying them a flat rate, whatever that is, for the work that they're doing for you, and then they're not going to look for anything afterwards. So they're not going to be entitled to royalties, and they're not going to be entitled to any, you know, copyright anything Um, and they're, you know, if if it ever gets made into a movie, they're not going to be entitled to, um, any monies from that at all. So basically it just says you're hiring them to do this job. And once the job is done, that's it. You're not really going to hear from them or have to deal with them again. Or you could decide that you want to give them royalties or, you know, give them, um, a thank you in the book on the acknowledgements page or give them 50 copies of the book. That's up to you. But make sure that in that work for hire document, you stipulate the copyright, and who's going to be getting that, and uh, the um, what, what the deal is as far as money is being paid and royalties and things like that. Because you don't want someone doing something for you that you're just like, oh yeah, we have a verbal agreement about this, and then they come back to you for royalties once the book is out and gets big, or is turned into a movie or something like that. And usually for illustrations, uh, for children's books, the publishing company will typically cite the author um, as one part of the copyright and then the illustrator on a separate part of the copyright. So it's kind of like a co-authorship, unless you don't want that to happen, in which case you can just file as the sole owner of everything um, for the copyright, or your publishing company can. So keep all of those things in mind. Work for hire, uh, and you do need a document. You can ask your publisher, you can ask an editor, you can usually find a pretty good template for that um, online and and make sure that you're aware of who's getting what and what each person is entitled to. Even for collective works, you need to know if you're entitled to things like this. Now, some of this information is going to be covered on a later podcast that I do on co-authorship. Um, and um, if you tuned into Sensation Station um, or the live exchange, you may have seen the recent radio show that I did on co-authorships with um, tandem light press and, and Pamela Larday. And so you can refer back to that as well, but just, we want to make sure that you're covered and you're protected and that anyone who's worked with you is also covered and protected. So what, something else that's important to understand about copyright is titles you cannot copyright. So if you have a book title, you cannot say that you are the sole author of that title and no one else can have it. That It doesn't work that way. You are the owner of the content, but you are not necessarily the owner of the title. So copyright does not protect an idea or it doesn't protect a system. Like if you have a system, like a financial system or an organizing system or something that you're using, you or a method or a procedure, or a specific step-by-step, copyright does not protect any of those things. You also are not protected if you just, like I said earlier, had an idea. If you haven't written it down, if you haven't recorded it, if you have an improvisational speech that you've made that you haven't written down, that is not protected. Uh, titles, again, are not protected. Names are not protected by copyright. Short phrases, like cliche phrases or, you know, even um, like Nike, just do it, is not protected by copyright. Slogans, not protected by copyright. A familiar symbol like a heart you cannot copyright or a design, typographic ornamentations, letterings and colorings and things like that, you're not protected by copyright. And you are also not protected with listings of ingredients or contents. So if you do a cookbook, your cookbook is protected by copyright, but just a list of ingredients is not going to cut it. Um, Now, many of those things that I just mentioned can be protected by trademarks. But they cannot, they're not protected under copyright law. So you'll notice if you put your title in and do a title search on Amazon or Google, there may be four or five other books with the same title that you have. And that's okay. They're allowed to do that unless that person has trademarked that title. Now, with trademarking, you typically have to select a category and almost always, in order to be accepted as a book title for trademarking, you have to do more than one thing. So for instance, any kind of like financial system or organizing system, if you have a name for it and that's your brand or your name, you can file that in copyright, I'm sorry, in trademarking with the trademark office um, for uh, the purposes of trademarking and no one else can use it. And so you can say that you're trademarking it for a book title and as a system and the trademark office usually, and patent office will usually let that go through. Um, and you can search on, it's USPTO.gov, and that's the trademark office. And you can search for things on there to see if it's already trademarked. Because if it is trademarked already and you're trying to use it, then the person who already owns the trademark could could come to you and say, you're not allowed to use this or I, you owe me money for whatever you've made with this name. Um, and they absolutely have the ability to do that. So um, your editor or publisher should be checking that for you as well. That's just part of our system for the publishing company is to always check copyright as much as possible um, trademarking and look at Amazon, Google, Barnes and Noble to see, we don't want, you know, our book titles to have the same title necessarily, or maybe it's just the difference in a subtitle or a spelling or something that's a little bit different. Um, but we don't want anybody to get in trouble. So that's part of our job as your publishing team is to make sure that you are as clean as we can possibly make it from any legal trouble. But recently this past year, Um, There was someone in the romance genre who was trying to trademark the word cocky and use it as part of her series title, and uh, there was a big to-do about this, and she actually sued some indie authors and some not indie authors because she was trying to say, or her assumption was that because she now owned this word and she had filed it with the trademark office, that she was going to get money from anybody else who was using this word, and that's really not appropriate at all. So, it doesn't, the trademark doesn't exist before you trademark it. Um, you can't go back, you know, five or 10 years and say, well, anybody who's used this word is now going to owe me money for however, you know, much money they've made out of using this word. That's not the way it works. It's from the time that you copyright it in the future, she could have um, had her attorney send letters saying, guys, you need to know that, you know, this is now trademarked and you can't use it anymore. But usually the trademark office won't trademark things that are common words and phrases. Um, she was trying to also copy, I'm sorry, trademark the um, font that was used um, that she didn't own. And so the designer that had done it for her had some issues with that. And this ended up going to court and she lost and the judge, you know, kind of, told her that she needed to have better attorneys um, and tell her what, you know, advise her better. But then again, recently, um, this happened with uh, some big players, as far as fiction is concerned, with one person saying that they were trying to make money off of another person's work. And then the other person said, well, I, you know, had this idea before her book was even published and here's proof of it. And you just can't trademark common words and phrases like that. Um, sometimes the trademark office will approve it, again, if it's part of a procedure or a system or a process or a method or something like that. But you have to state that in the trademark application. And it costs about $250 per category to trademark something. And it can be a long process. Sometimes you know you have to prove that you've been doing it for a certain amount of time sometimes not. Sometimes they'll just go ahead and approve it. It really, it depends. And if you know me or have heard anything that I say, <laughs> I say that all the time as far as publishing is concerned. It depends. And it really does. It depends on a lot of different factors. So just be aware of the fact that ownership only goes so far in copyright and trademarking. So Be wary and understand if you are going to get into an issue with another author over copyright or trademark, you really need to be advised by either an editor, uh, the publishing company, or an attorney. That would really be the best one because an editor, again, really can advise you so far as far as copyright law is concerned, Um, but... Get some information under your belt before you just decide to go attacking people and, you know, accusing them of doing something that they haven't necessarily done. Because what happens is in the the world of social media, the firestorm happens and then things are said that are not meant or there's a lot of hurt that can happen because people didn't understand what was going on and there was some misconstrued information And as far as this is, I mean, you could probably Google what I'm talking about. I don't want to use any names just to protect uh, people. But just understand or ask before you decide to take a fight to someone um, and before you decide to get your whole tribe behind you and attacking someone's character, then it's probably a good idea to talk to your publisher, talk to your agent, talk to your editor and really understand what's going on and get some advice before you start spouting things out on social media or anywhere for that matter, um, especially in public, because then that can lead to libel and, and backlash on you if you're incorrect and don't really understand the process and what's going on. So copyright, again, fixed, tangible form. As far as your book is covered, you're protected as soon as you start typing it into your computer. Now, I do think that the failsafe is... Uh, digital technology because if you again have an idea, you can kind of write the date on it anywhere and you know, say that you did it when you didn't. And of course, I know you wouldn't do that, but it's just not as it's not going to hold up in court as easily. And I don't want you to be worried about this and panicked about, well, do I need this to hold up in court? That really shouldn't be your first thought, but it does kind of need to be in the back of your mind as you're going through the process. Um, So just be aware of that. And we do want to be very careful about infringement and plagiarism. Again, I'm going to talk about rights and permissions in another podcast so that you're really aware of that. But just in case you're curious, you can go to um, the Chicago Manual of Style and use that as a resource for copyright or rights and permissions. You can also go to copyright.gov and everything on there is free. This is information that is easy, very easily accessible. There's a PDF that talks specifically about copyright basics. Um, and you can probably just type, you know, Google copyright for books. And I imagine this would probably be one of the first things that pops up. So be well-informed, be educated and a little bit knowledgeable at least, or ask your publisher, your editor, your agent if they're well-versed, or at least have a general understanding of copyright and what that means. And also take a look at your publishing agreement and see what you're entitled to as far as your rights and as far as what their copyright is going to cover. Now, whether or not your publishing company says you're covered for the life of you plus 70 years, you're automatically covered. It doesn't matter that that should be written in their agreement. But if not, that's the standard. So that's never going to be questioned as far as an attorney. If it was something that was written before 1978, um, then there's some other issues and legal considerations there. But for the most part, if you're writing anything that's been done in the last several decades, then it's the life of the author plus 70 years. Now, anything that was published before 1922 is considered public domain. So if you're using something From another author before that, then it is considered public domain and you can probably use that in your book. But again, I'll go into more specifics about that in another podcast. Um, You are required on your book somewhere to have the copyright notice and the year that it's first published. So typically with self publishing, that happens anyway. Um, Or if not, you should create a copyright page. If you have questions about that, you can use. You know any any other book is a reference for that, but at the very least it needs to have the copyright symbol, the year that it was copyrighted, and the name of the copyright owner and That's on whatever it is that you want to be copyrighted um so just keep that in mind as well. Those of you who are, who are self publishing or going into some kind of independent publishing, typically that copyright page is done in the front matter um by the publishing company or the independent press. But if not, then ask. If you're not seeing a copyright page, then please ask if that's something that they include or if it's something that you need to include. Um, And so that's pretty much it. We're going to talk again, like I said, about rights and permissions in a separate podcast. You are the sole owner of your work, or if you're using a co-author or you're doing a collaboration or anthology, there's definitely some considerations to keep in mind there. If you have specific questions about this, please let me know. Um, I will be more than happy to answer as well as I can or send you to an attorney or someone who can answer your questions if I can't. Um, But just know that you don't need to worry. Once you start writing, you're pretty much protected. You're protected for a long time and don't get in any trouble (laughs) as far as, uh, you know, talking about someone else's work or claiming someone else's work as your own. Um, and you know, I know that a lot of the authors that I work with are strived for integrity. And so I know, like I said, that you would not try to pass someone else's work off as your own, but just know that they would be protected if that was something that you decided to do. So thank you for listening this week. I know I covered a lot today. Um, but like I said, reach out to me if you have questions and otherwise, I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to Inspiration to Publication with your host, Caroline Smith. For more information about Caroline, visit her website at carolinesmith.biz.